I wish um, Canadians were tougher. Don't take any nonsense from these people, from these government officials. They are nobodies. The, and when, when people say just say no, that's very true. Um, you don't have to abide by it. They're not your dad. They're not, you know, they don't rule over you. They're not there to protect you. They're not there to save you. You know, you're, you're the master and controller of your own destiny um, in terms of what you do on an everyday uh, level here on, on this planet. Um, so just be smart. Use, uh, use your intelligence. Don't think emotionally because that's the wrong thing to do. That's how a lot of people get into a lot of problems. You know, be, be, you know, relaxed and do things in a dil diligent way. And remember, if you cannot reach out and touch it, it is not yours. Remember that. Uh, because when this, when this, uh, situation gets a whole lot worse and it will, um, you're going to be glad that you listened to what I had to say today and what Tanya's had to say today. And you're going to be glad that even only, even if you only have a little bit saved aside, you'll be glad you did that you made that decision. We are so pleased to have Diego Henriquez joining us once again on the Empower Hour. Diego is an artificial intelligence expert and the creator of Died Suddenly News, an extremely popular Facebook page, which provided a platform for people, people to document adverse reactions and deaths as a result of the experimental COVID injections. It comes as no surprise that this platform was shut down in September. Diego also partners with the wellness company MedTalks, hosted by medical experts who educate people on how to think critically and make informed decisions and provide treatment options for the vax injured. Tonight, Diego will be covering a variety of topics, including the government and the Bank of Canada's role in destroying our economy, digital ID, government control, and more. But do not be discouraged. Diego will also be providing us with timely answers and solutions to these issues. Will you all please help me welcome Diego Henriquez to the Empower Hour. Welcome, Diego. Hey, thank you for having me. Hey, thank you so much, Heather. Welcome, Diego. I'm excited about this conversation tonight. Uh, but as I was just segueing to, would you please tell us a little bit more about your social media site and where things are at there and what we can maybe expect in the near future? Yeah, we're just working on the network security issues. So we just moved our servers to Switzerland. Um, and then we, I was in talks with the organization called React 19. They wanted to add a whole bunch of extra stuff to the platform. Um, so our programmers are a little bit busy working on the new stuff they have to upgrade. And uh, as soon as it's done, we'll let you know. Okay. Yeah, I'm very excited about this because, uh, I mean, you had duped Facebook for over a year and you had had died suddenly news. Uh, you knew how Facebook was functioning and how they were censoring people. And so you managed to get the voice of tens of thousands. I believe it was, uh, was it over a hundred thousand people that you'd had on your Facebook page? It was uh, 300,000, and it was the fastest-growing Facebook in history with 20,000 people a day joining. Right. Thank you. Because we have some people on tonight that are new viewers and may not be familiar with the work that you were doing. And so what was it that your Facebook uh, page consisted of? Uh, it was all the vaccine injured and, uh, and their families, um, all their stories, and it was almost in real time. Um, and they were posting everything. So Facebook didn't like that. 
they have their algorithms, their AI algorithms. So I f- basically figured out a way how to speak on there without triggering their algorithms. And we lasted, you know, well over a year and uh, until the BBC wrote an article about me on what I was doing. And then they contacted Facebook and then we got shut down. Right. Um, and it was incredible. I mean, when we talk about several hundred thousand people, and I want, uh, you know, our viewers to think about that for a moment. I mean, that's several hundred thousand, but we know that there's millions of people in the world that are being affected negatively by this experimental jab. And uh, we're sort of just at the beginning. And so the benefit of you completing your new Died Suddenly News channel is that we're going to be able to give people an opportunity, uh, you know, to post, to tell their story. And hopefully, once again, this will be um, an opportunity for others to invite loved ones to it, because there still are those who are lining up for booster shots, who are being convinced that, you know, that they that this is somehow going to protect them. Yeah, it's very sad to see. I mean, just to put things in perspective, and this is just my opinion, the largest Facebook group, right now in the world, I think is 7.2 million members. Um, I have no doubt that uh, our group would have far, far exceeded that, uh, that mm-hmm. number. And uh, to your point about people having booster shots, um, I think they're going to figure out the, you know, in the hard way that uh, you know, when something bad happens to them, uh, they're going to be thinking, oh boy, what did I do? And that's usually the way it goes. Right. And, and, uh, we take no pride in saying there is no, we told you so's here. Uh, we were willing to take the attacks, uh, you know, by people calling us anti-vaxxers, um, conspiracy theorists, all the rest of it, uh, because we knew we are, we were on the side of right. We knew we had clear eyes to see the devastation that was going to befall them. And, uh, you know, Dr. McCullough, when he was on the show recently, even confirmed that uh, the vaxxed are a risk to the unvaxxed. It's very, very clear that they put uh, people's well-being at risk because of however that experimental jab is transmitting, whether by touch, uh, aerosol, etc. Yeah, it's, it's sad to see. I mean, uh, a, a large portion of the messages that I get are from people who've had maybe two or three vaccinations and then they come to the site, they read all these horror stories and that's it. They don't want to have any more. And then they message me and say, you know, thanks for the site sort of thing. But uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody should be made fun of um, or belittled for their decision. I think that, you know, that doesn't really progress anything uh, that that, I think we should uh, embrace them with some love and, uh, you know, move forward. I mean, We've all done stupid things in our lives. Everybody, every single one of us, everybody listening to this. Um, so obviously they did something, you know, that was a mistake, I guess. But, uh, you know, it's time to move on from that and help them heal and uh, move on. That's really the only way that this is going to work. Right. I, th- I think it's a time to be compassionate. And um, it's, it's a very uh, real concern for those who have been duped and deceived by the government. Um, you know, uh, it has divided families. And I think that we need to do our best as much as possible. That's when I was showing all of the chapters across the nation as well. Our team have talked about how, you know, we're also going to be care facilities. We're going to be counselors. Uh, we're going to have compassionate hearts for those who are hurting. We know people who have lost multiple family members due to the jab. 
um, I knew a report the other day where a wonderful uh, man, him and his wife are grandparents, and his son is still deceived. And uh, it happens to be a different scenario, but it's one of the things that Action for Canada is talking about. And one of the deceptions as well are about our kids being transgender and, uh, you know, as if gender is fluid, etc. And where the young man is now deciding to uh, say that he is a girl and convinced all of the family members not to go to grandma and grandpa's over the holidays. So there's so many ways that the government is dividing us right now. And we have to have the ability to have conversations about this. And where a lot of those conversations are going to be taking place is at the community level. So please, I encourage people again, join an Action for Canada chapter because there truly is strength in the numbers and and that's what our motivation is. It's about getting you strengthened at the community level and mobilized. And um, okay, so uh, Diego, let's take a shift. I, I want to start talking about the financial aspect of what we're going through, not only in Canada, but this global effort, you know, to take over the world. I see them like just bah ha ha, you know, uh, you know, talking about it at a round table and uh, laughing at a, all us mere civilians uh, who are at their beck and call, and that you know, they're going to have control over. And so first of all, starting off the show, I want to remind people that we are not providing financial advice tonight on the show or in, in any of our resources. We're trying to provide you information so that you can make a decision for yourself of what you want to do. And so, uh, Tiago, can we tell, tell us a little bit about what it is that you do other than developing this website? I understand that you have a, a lot of financial experience for yourself personally the decisions that you're making. And again, that you're not giving people financial advice. We're going to talk about uh, the temperature in Canada and what's going on with the Canadian central banks. And then we'll talk about foreign central banks. But first, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm an uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, I know everybody knows me through the died suddenly news thing. But uh, my primary, I guess, job, you can say, is I use my artificial intelligence skills. I'm a uh, Forex trader, and I use uh, I program in three languages: Py, uh, Python, PyTorch, and TensorFlow. The latter two are artificial intelligence, and then what I do is I program in those languages, and I apply them to the forex markets to give me accurate predictions. So I trade the markets uh, pretty much every single day. Okay, and so I'm I'm wanting to talk a little bit uh, about the central banksters at first. That's what I call them. They're central banksters. There's no way around this. They are fraudsters. They are crooks. They this is the greatest heist in the history of the world. Trying to take uh, you know citizens' funds. Uh, there's a couple of ways they're siphoning money from Canadians. One is Trudeau uh, pretending to tax people to the hilt and like you know that money is going to our infrastructure. We can all look, you know, and say, well, we're still on two lane highways here in British Columbia in, in some of our cities where, you know, we would have expected three or four uh, lanes coming and going. Uh, so we know they're not spending the money within Canada. Then they tell us they're giving the money to poor countries overseas. And, and so we look at third world countries and we ask, well, are they in a better position than they were financially seven and a half years ago when Justin Trudeau 
Trudeau got into office and we can say, well, no, they're not. Uh, they're actually in the worst condition they've ever been. So we know our tax dollars aren't going to third world countries and helping people in need. Um, and so there's so much funding going on. Uh, they're funding all these initiatives of the UN. And of course, so we can absolutely 100% say that our government as well, I believe, is committing treason against Canadians. Uh, they're fraudsters. They're robbing us blind. And then again, to try to uh, usher in this digital banking system. What do you have to say about the central banks? I just want to say, I know the last time you were here said, I would not have had the truckers outside the legislature. I would have had them outside the Bank of Canada. Can you explain that a little bit? Yes. The What everybody's seeing, I think, with the, uh, you know, in the last three, almost three years uh, with COVID, um, this is not a health issue. This is a central banking issue. Um, and they're doing all this, I think, for a reason. Um, as you guys all know, a lot of the businesses across Canada have closed. They went bankrupt. The reason for that is they want to make the bigs bigger. They want to amalgamate mm -hmm. all these places into like super, super chains. And the reason is because it makes it a lot easier for them to go digital. Um, so that way, when let's say, for example, when you walk into Walmart uh, with your family, there's not going to be any more cash. When you walk into Sobeys, there's not going to be no more cash. Everything's going to be done digitally. They're not going to accept it. With your employers, the same thing is going to happen. They're not going to pay you. Uh, there's not going to be no more cash or anything like that. Everything will be using a specific QR code uh, with all, you know, with all your data. And if you do not have that QR code, you will not get paid. So they, it's very, very important for them to amalgamate all these companies together. And when the trucker convoy happened in Ottawa, you know, we, on our last conversation, the people shouldn't have been in front of parliament. They should have been in front of the bank of Canada or the central bank. That is the, that, that is the real power. Uh, Justin Trudeau, in my opinion, he's a drama teacher and it makes no sense for me that a drama teacher will have, you know, it has any kind of understanding of the central banks or interest rates or anything like that or how inflation and how it affects how all these things intertwine and affect, affect each other. So I think um, the real criminal organization starts with the central banks of the world. Yeah, and I 100% agree on that. They're they're pulling all the strings. And I know that I've stood at the TD Bank and, you know, they're promoting digital to make sure that your investments are safer. And we've never heard about as much uh, digital fraud as <laughs> because of people going digital. And it was safer when you had your money in the bank and you actually had to go into the bank, I think, and, you know, uh, uh, take out uh, whatever cash that you had needed for your spending rather than to go into this digital system. Uh, I'm just talking about uh, credit card fraud. I'm talking about uh, the fact that we're, you, you know, swiping cards to um, uh, pay for just whatever transactions. And, you know, there's, di there's been different ways to defraud people. I know there's been systems that they want to do a swipe system where before you had to use your credit card, I've got my credit card. Uh, I hardly use it at all, but at the odd moment that I do, I've got it where I actually have to key in a password. And on the back, I say, ask for picture ID, <laughs> you know, so that if somebody does steal my card, my physical card, but now they've got systems 
systems where they can actually walk by you, take your credit card information or your digital information and use it. There's so many ways to de defraud you with all these online systems. And they're trying to tell people as you're standing in the lineup at the bank that it's safer to go digital. And, and then, of course, we've got the government of Canada telling biz businesses as well with initiatives to go digital. And I believe there's actual government funding for that. And, and so, yeah, there's a real massive push. And we have a real job ahead of us to educate, you know, the businesses and others. Stop going digital. Stop using your uh, credit card uh, and your debit card in order to do transactions. How, how do you feel about that, about uh, not using the digital systems and instead using cash? I think... Uh... If, if people don't wake up pretty soon and they go ahead and they continue to use these uh, digital uh, mechanisms to make purchases and to live their normal life, inevitably what you're going to see uh, at a much faster rate is this digital system coming into play. The mm -hmm. Toronto Dominion, the TD Bank, the Royal Bank of Canada, Scotiabank, all these major banks here in Canada, I think in the next five, six, six years will be a thing of the past. You will not be dealing with them anymore. You will be dealing directly with a central bank. They don't, you don't need to be going down to your, you know, your local uh, TD branch to go do some business. Um, everything will be done via that QR code. Um, and mm -hmm. if it's only, you know, a few people pushing back and wanting to spend cash, that's not going to work. They're going to, they're no. going to force it through all the big chains and they're going to force it through your employers because you're only going to be able to get paid with that QR code. Right. And, and that is a concern, right? I know that at the beginning of COVID, I did a petition for everybody to uh, ban Walmart. Don't shop at Walmart because uh, Walmart is a huge conglomerate. Uh, they've, Of course, a lot of their product is from China. They're situated in the U.S., but firmly planted within Canada. Um, I used to work for Costco Wholesale in their buying office. I was manager of a couple of their departments 20-some uh, years ago, and I thought it was a, an incredible organization to work for. They were so good to their employees, and, you know, they're the front line. They're one of those large corporations who were willing to put the laws of the laws of the land aside and interfere with uh, citizens' rights. And uh, so Walmart and uh, Costco and Home Depot and corporations like this are the ones they want to get rid of the little guy and funnel everybody over into these large corporations. And I know for myself, I even though, you know, I worked for the organization, I knew a lot of people within it, I decided to take a stand against all the masking. <laughs> and if anybody's seen my YouTube video, I encourage you to watch it because um, I finally got fed up. And because my mom was, because of the work that I'm doing, my mom was going and doing the shopping. I did have a Costco card. We went in there and uh, they caught up with me in the freezer cooler aisle and told me to put on a mask. And I said, oh, absolutely not. I'm not going to do that. And um, individual shoppers came to my defense. And so these managers, once I challenged them on what they were doing, they had no defense and they knew it was a difficult decision of what they were asking me to do. But because of that, and because of another situation, they actually canceled my Costco card. And uh, so it happens that my mom continued. My mom is getting uh, very aged, though, and having difficulties. And so I'm driving her and going into Costco and helping her with that shop. And every time I go in, I'm like, I don't want to be in this place. And But on my own, and the few of us that would consider boycotting Ros uh, Costco, it's not enough to take them down. 
And it's exactly what you were saying right now. It isn't enough for a few people to start using cash. And this is one of the reasons, again, I'm going to go back to asking people to help us grow Action for Canada. We need a million people on our email list uh, and then to continue to grow from there, we're, we're mobilizing citizens. And when we put a plan in place, all of us together decide, yes, I am going to commit to that. It, it, we have to, like I said, there's power in numbers. And it, I mean, if your comforts are so dear to you that you want to maintain that Costco card, I was willing to give it up. I lost it and I didn't miss going to Costco. And if I want to go to Save on Foods or, or an organization that actually respected people, I never once uh, at Save on Foods ever had to wear a mask because they decided to respect people's right to do that. Um, if they're going to use cash, let's go to Save on Foods and use our cash. But we've got to make a decision and we've got to do it corporately together as an organization and as a people to do this. If we're going to have success, we are at war. And I don't people think people understand how serious this is. Yeah, I agree. I think it's uh, it's going to be tough because a, a lot of the you know regular people who don't listen to programs like this, they're just going about their daily business every single day. So it's it's the vast mm -hmm. majority of Canadians don't even know what's going on. I mean, they might see the prices at a store going a little bit higher here and there, but uh, they they don't understand you know, what's behind it and what the end goal is uh, of all this kind of stuff. So it's going to be tough uh, mm -hmm. dealing, um, you know, with, uh, you know, with the central banking system when you got more than half the Canadians that are asleep. Um, but it's great that you have like a, you know, an, a reach like this and, uh, you know, a million or two million people on your email list would be fantastic. It can cause some damage if we all put our uh, actions and minds together. I think that would be, you know, phenomenal. Right. I know I was in a meeting yesterday morning with a, a gentleman from Germany and it was the most incredible conversation. When we give presentations to people in other countries, uh, somebody has spoken a word over my life saying that Action for Canada will be in 153 nations in my lifetime. And I believe it because when we talk to these individuals, I, uh, you know, they're saying people in Germany just aren't standing up. And I look at the successes that we're having with a minority of the population um, actually joining Action for Canada in our mission and our campaigns. And we're having great success. So I'm talking to this gentleman and telling him he's seen the notices of liability. It happens, you know, to be uh, uh, on, on a faith-based side of it with the pastors and the church. And I said, well, what do you have in Ger Germany? Is it a constitution? He says, yeah, we have a constitution and there's 20 points to it. I says, well, are you aware within that constitution that you have guaranteed rights? as we do in every nation. I mean, these are guaranteed. They cannot be interfered with with the government. And, and so he happened to be a lawyer by trade before becoming a pastor. And I said, well, use all of that knowledge that you have and anything with on, within our website that you want and implement, exchange our constitution for your constitution and put your rights within it and start using it.
and start getting that minority of people activated in Germany. So, I mean, this is not just a Canadian situation as, as we globally, they talk about global citizens. Yeah, you want to talk about global citizens? We're going to tell you about global citizens. We're going to be those global citizens, not the UN's version of it, not the World Economics version of it. We're going to start uniting and educating Canadian um, citizens around the world that they have those guaranteed rights and that the UN is indeed an unelected body and they have no right, no business, no power interfering with our sovereignty and our democracy. Okay, so let's move on to um, how do you feel about the encouragement to take your cash out of the bank and buy silver and gold? And I know we were talking about precious commodities, even as far as uh, energy-rich resources such as oil. What can you tell us about these commodities? Yeah, I think it's a fantastic idea. Uh, these these commodities, uh, you know, gold, silver, uh, platinum, palladium, they're all going to be skyrocketing soon. I think silver is going to be skyrocketing above and beyond what they what the other precious metals are going to be uh, moving up on. And the reason is because it has more uses. It's used uh, in more things in everyday life uh, for armor, um, guns, and you know, computer stuff and all that kind of good stuff so it's going to be moving on up in price it's relatively cheap to get still for silver gold's a little bit expensive for most people almost two thousand dollars an ounce canadian but uh you know most people can afford silver where i think we're at 23 24 dollars an ounce for silver um and i think it's fantastic the you know when you have money in a bank it's not yours when you have jewelry in a safety deposit back box at the royal bank bank of canada it's not yours if you can't reach out and touch it, it's not yours. So it's great to have, you know, silver on hand, a little bit of cash on hand, uh, gold if you can afford it. Um, because when they collapse the markets, one day you're going to drive to the ATM at the Royal Bank of Canada and it's not going to be working and the doors are going to be closed and you're not going to be able to access any cash. You're not going to be able to access your jewelry, your nice watch. Uh, that you had in there in the safety deposit box, it is theirs. It's not yours. Once you leave it on their property, it's, it's theirs. It's not, don't think you're, they're going to give you back all that stuff. It's not happening. No, we saw that happen. What was it in Spain? Where, where that happened several years ago, right? Where the, the, all of the banks were shut down. And, uh, something that Canadians don't understand is we've heard of bank bailouts where the government will bail out the bank. But in, I think it was the 2018 budget, they had incorporated bank bail-ins into the very, very sneaky, very buried in there. And what bank bail-ins are is that the government will come and take citizens' funds in in order to um, help recover or you know with the debt it it's incredibly frightening and so well people will say oh no no we have the uh what's the name of the bank insurance um the fdic uh, yeah thank you and but mm -hmm. i think that there's a limit is it of a hundred thousand and but we've got to see there's got to be a cap on that as well they're not looking at every single canadian that has a hundred thousand they don't have enough uh you know mm. money to to replace a hundred thousand for all the canadians that would be losing those funds um yeah so it's it's a very dangerous thing right now it's a very um concerning thing as far as leaving cash or um jewelry etc in the banks uh, we don't want people to be so frightened and so nervous about this 
But the purpose that we're having this conversation is to help for those who do have investments and that you have money in the bank and that you can actually start removing it and and um, making those purchases of, of silver and gold. We're encouraging you to do that. We've also encouraged you in the past to buy tobacco, to buy alcohol, to buy things that are uh, tradable commodities if, you know, the government decides to take these egregious steps and this assault against Canadians. Um, so we know that I came up with this phrase when I was thinking about fiat currency, and I guess fiat currency has worked, but is only as reliable as the government is trustworthy. And if we had a government that really cared about our banking system and had our best interests in mind, then I guess cash works. But when you have a government that is using that cash and commodities, all of this to uh, cause a, a financial system to collapse, then it becomes a very fragile system. This currency becomes very, very fragile. And I believe the gold and silver standard have always been able to be very measurable and secure throughout history. And so we've got to determine that there's got to be, you know, a point of that. And the Bible even states that wisdom is that you would invest in these times in, in gold and in silver, in precious commodities. So we encourage you to do that. Uh, the other question that I have, and then we're going to get, because I know people, if you're going to have questions for Tiago, uh, please be prepared uh, to raise your hand. I can see that there's a lot of questions in the Q&A, and I'm hoping by having some of these questions done in advance, it will help you out a little bit, and some of you will lower your hand. <laughs> um, okay, so we've talked about as well foreign investments. And uh, previously, it was always, it felt like a good thing that, okay, I'm going to put my, my savings in a, an account in Switzerland. And mm -hmm. you and I were talking about that the other day, but there are even risks to that. Can you explain why? Because uh, Canada right now has international tax treaty agreements with Switzerland um, and the vast majority of uh, countries around the world, I think there's only four to uh, four or five countries right now that uh, don't have international tax treaty agreements with Canada. Uh, so that includes Belize, uh, Liechtenstein. And for example, in Belize, if you've got some money and you want to move it offshore, you can uh, you can get a lawyer here or a paralegal. They can help you out with it or you can contact the bank directly in Belize um, and you can get what's called an IVC, an inter international business corporation. Um, you're the majority shareholder and you can keep your, you know, your funds there. Um, they give you a bank debit card. They give you a visa if you want. Uh, it's a collateral, collateralized visa. Um, so it's pretty cool. Um, as long as they don't sign an international tax treaty agreement with Canada, um, or the United States. So Belize has, you know, the majority of their money that they come in are two things, are tourism and banking. Um, so they promised the, uh, the people that have bank accounts there and the corporations that have bank accounts there that they will not be signing these treaties. So anything here, such as credit unions, if you have RSPs, GICs, all this, that's none of it. None of that is yours. They can take mm -hmm. that, you know, on a whim and you will not have access to any of that. Um, so, you know, am I saying liquidate everything? That's everybody's personal decision. Um, me personally, I would not have my money in RSPs or GICs or something that I can't reach out and touch yeah. really quickly if I needed to. But yeah, mm -hmm. so in, in terms of, you know, in terms of international banking, Switzerland, the Cayman Islands, Cayman Islands is a great example. The U.S. government, um, I used to live mm -hmm. in the Cayman Islands. Um, the U.S. government came down on the Cayman Islands with political pressure. They didn't have those international tax 
treaty agreements with Canada and the United States. And then back in, I think, the early 90s, uh, they made them sign the, the agreement um, or else they were going to put sanctions on the Cayman Islands because a large portion of their banking was with uh, drug cartels. Right. And I think you had even said that when people were trying to uh, invest overseas that the U.S. would come in and accuse them of uh, money laundering or, you know, these type of things to get accounts shut down. And and I I think the European account, Switzerland, that are are under the European central banks. Is that correct? Yeah, Yeah, they're under the European central bank. Yep. Right. And so anything that has central banksters in it is is not a safe entity if there's some governing body, uh, you know, that can pull a plug on you. And so we appreciate that about what did you say? Belize, Belize and where else? Belize, Belize. uh, Belize? And I think the other one is Liechtenstein. Um, You can. uh, But the easier one would be Belize. I think Liechtenstein only uh, does it for ultra wealthy people. And if you are a citizen of Liechtenstein. Uh, but uh, Belize, definitely, it's called an IBC, an international business corporation. It's not under your name. You're the majority shareholder. And then you can uh, obviously discuss it with a lawyer or paralegal. Or like I said, you can contact the uh, bank in, banks in Belize directly and email them. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that information. Uh, I think that's very valuable. And what do you have to say? Because I know a lot of people will say, well, just pull out of the five big banks in Canada, go to credit unions. Uh, but what do you have to say about that? No, they're just as bad. They're just as corrupt. The, uh, yeah. you know, they're all monitored by FinTrack here in Canada. And look how easy it was during the trucker convoy for them to seize Canadians' bank accounts. They didn't mm-hmm. need any special court order. They didn't need, uh, you know, they, they, the, the people weren't uh, accused of drug dealing or money laundering or drug trafficking, anything like that. They just automatically seized these accounts. That is very scary here in Canada for that to happen. I think that's, it, you know, in, as bad as that was, it's, it should be an eye opener for everybody out there that they can do it in a flash on a whim to freeze your bank account at any point at any time. I know, and and in the auto investigation, it even showed that uh, these banks as well, the credit unions, I forget which credit union it was, was actually reporting on on uh, bank holders, uh, whoever had donated funds. And, you know, so those, those are pretty concerning things. I, I would have to say that um, one of my questions was going to be, or something I was going to talk about is that I pretty much would consider that any central bank, I mean, it's just all run by the oligarchs, you know, at the WEF and the UN, there is no safe central banking system out there. And I know that um, other individuals, they refer to the International Monetary Fund. And I wanted to take a look at that because uh, we say, okay, well, who are the top dogs that are pulling the strings here? And I believe that the IMF, um, I think that they were originally created somewhere around 1945 under a different name. And it was that uh, is an international organization that promotes, I love the language they use, Global economic growth and financial stability encourages international trade and reduces poverty. And we can really see how they've reduced poverty, enjoying all of this climate change propaganda and starving people to death. Uh, so again, they're a bunch, bunch of fraudsters. Uh, they bribed nations. Uh, Belarus government had advised, right, that uh, Belarus government was refusing to implement the COVID measures. And so they tried to bribe him with nearly a hundred 
hundred, what was that, hundred million dollars or a billion, nearly a billion dollars U.S. to implement the COVID measures, and the Belarus uh, government outed them. And so the IMF is a very dangerous entity. And when we think about the digital digital ID system, what happened to Belarus is a perfect example of what they're going to do to us. And it's like you either comply. And they'll do this to businesses, right? You either comply and implement what it is that we're demanding or we're not going to. Because they they take funds from around the world, from the central banking system. I'm just going to read a point that I had here. The IMF's mission, okay, to report, the IMF was originally, here it is, created in 1945 as part of the Bretton Woods Agreement, which attempted to encourage international financial cooperation by introducing a system of convertible currency currencies as fixed exchange rates. So hear this, 1945, they've been at this for a long time, getting all of this into place. The IMF collects massive amounts of data on national economies, international trade and the global economy in aggregate and provides economic forecasts. And the most important, their most important functions is to make loans to countries that are experiencing economic distress to prevent or mitigate financial crisis which is, you know, this loan that Belarus had wanted. And so when you think how intricate that is, but how easy it is it is for them, because they're working so closely with the central banks, central banks are giving them, you know, the, the access to this data, to this these national economies, collapsing them, taking all of the funds and saying, hey, you know what, oh, you're in trouble, well, we'll lend you money. Oh, you know what? Well, we're not going to lend you money now unless you comply. And and so that's just another side of it that I thought would be of interest for people to understand the central banks and the IMF and how they're working together. Okay, so I think what we're going to do, we covered quite a bit of information there. So Terenzio, if we could get to the Q&A, if there's people who have raised hands, um, let's do that. All I'm right. going to go to, all right, I'll also go to Telegram because I know the gals. Oh, yes, there are questions here as well. Okay, has anybody got a raised hand? Yeah, first person we can go with is Jay. Jay, you should see a little message pop up on your screen to unmute. We might have okay, to go to the so, next. Uh, yeah, Diane? we don't want to delay. Mm-hmm. We'll go to Diane. Oops, sorry, that's my dog, Benny, no. Okay, Diane, can you unmute? All right, on to the next one, Terenzio. All right, next one is Simone. Okay, hopefully Simone can unmute. Oh, there we go. Hi, Simone. Hello? Oh, boy. Oh, there you are. Yes, hi. What's your question? So, I had a few questions, but... um... Uh, in respect, well, you answered a lot of them. Is it possible to um, um, put the bank's information that are safe um, in, like, an email or something to the network so that I can do some research just based on your previous question? But I did have a question, if you guys were aware. I came on this call late about the 15 minutes travel restrictions. Like, there's a specific yep. cities in Canada yes. that are um, doing this and I'm just mm-hmm. wondering what can we do because I am in Ottawa and Ottawa's on the list um, what can I do to um, you know okay get to, to 
Right, to fight it. So I would encourage you, she's talking about these 15-minute cities, and uh, the UN, again, has all these global, uh, you know, environmental ideas, and they're absolute complete nonsense, uh, and so they want to drive people into cities to have more control over them, and everything, every shopping, all your banking, could be done within 15 minutes walking distance. Then they will barricade the roads, and you are not permitted to go outside of that unless you have special permission. If you go outside of it, the city will fine you. Okay, we have the freedom of movement in Canada. This is a completely in violation of our constitution, 100%. And so we do not comply. In Ottawa, along with uh, Tom Harris, he is uh, the climate change expert that Action for Canada is working with, and they had an incredible win in Ottawa with our chapter assisting him against all of uh, bringing um, information regarding climate change. And we ended up... um, because the election was right there. And so we got a mayor elected who is not one of these crazy climate change environmentalists. Uh, there was a woman named Christina. It wasn't Christina Freeland. It, it was, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm forgetting her name. And, and she was, uh, you know, an LGBTQ activist, climate change psychopath, as far as I'm concerned, in wanting to spend billions of dollars to implement these environmental things. And we'll get off of this and back, you know, onto specific questions for Tiago in a moment. And, and so we, this is, is one of those wins that we can talk about. Because of it, we got a mayor elected, um, who is not not going to pursue spending billions of dollars on all of this environmental nonsense. And so we as citizens have to be activated within our cities. If we don't like what's going on, if we don't like the financial rhetoric that's going on, we have to find alternative systems. And we have to make sure that we are working together to get good people elected. And we are calling on the churches to rise up. We want elected uh, candidates. We want candidates coming from within the church. We want them joining our chapters. We want every single citizen in Canada joining us on these campaigns. Okay, so if your questions could be direct to the situation tonight, those are better questions to bring up next week because we'll be discussing those matters as well. All right, specific to hopefully finances or the died suddenly news. Thank you for that question, though. That's All right, next question important. we have is from Jeff. Okay, Jeff, uh, are you able to... Hi, Jeff. Yeah, I'm there. I got you there. We sure do. What's you. your question? Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering for Dago there, um, what's the best place to buy gold and silver? Like, uh, do I buy it from a bank, or where's the best place to go? What do you suggest? You can uh, look up a bullion dealer in your local area. I personally buy it from uh, sdbullion.com. Um, that's where I purchase it, and they mail it to my house. They've, they're, to me, they're fantastic. I've never had a problem with them. I purchased with, uh, from them for uh, the last six or seven years. Uh, but if you can't do that, you can always just look up uh, bullion dealers in your local area, and you can purchase uh, silver or gold from them. So they're, they're most of them are fairly reputable to buy them from? Yeah, just make sure it's, you know, a reputable place, licensed place in your own province there. Um, You know, here in Nova Scotia and Cape Breton, I think we have a couple of them. But, uh, yeah, wherever you are, yeah, just uh, look into it and, uh, and it's, yeah, it's a go. 
Yeah, I'm in Ontario, so I wasn't really sure what the best place might be, so I wasn't really sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ontario, you know, if you're near Toronto, the big city, uh, or any kind of city in Ontario, then, yeah, you you should have no problem finding a bullion dealer. Okay, then. Appreciate that. No worries. Okay. Right. Thank right, you, Jeff. Sorry, Tanya, okay, didn't I'm mean gonna, to cut you I'm, off. Go ahead. No, no, that's okay. I'm going to ask one from, I'm trying to go between the Q&A and get as many done as possible as maybe you line somebody up next. No problem. Uh, okay, so how does somebody, uh, one, close a safety debo- deposit box and keep our special items, uh, you know, when thieves know how to look for hidden hidden safes, and how does one convert to silver and keep it safe as it's heavy to transport and store? Yeah, that's a good question. you got to be uh, proactive in terms of your security at home. Um, you got to buy a safe. Uh, if you have to uh, pay somebody to come in there and concrete concrete it in or attach it to the ground, uh, make sure it's uh, fireproof. Um, there's lots of safes that can do the job. Um, if you got that much silver where you're purchasing that much, uh, obviously get a bigger safe or try to convert some of that to gold as well. So it's not so uh, so bulky. But uh, yeah, the security part, you're going to have to be your own bank. You're going to have to learn to to you know, secure your home and secure your premises, um, your, your own bank. That's, uh, if you go look at the balance sheets of the central banks around the world, they're constantly purchasing gold and silver, mm-hmm. um, and their balance sheets are getting, going through the roof and they're doing a lot of purchasing right. through third parties, whether it's uh, BlackRock or Vanguard who work directly hand in hand with the central banks. Right. Except for the Canadian government. <laughs> They're not yeah. purchasing gold. No, 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 no. <laughs> Except for the Canadian bank. That would be too smart. Okay. And yeah, and on that as well, uh, also what people need to understand, one of the reasons the government is going for these gun, gun grabs, they're hitting PEI. They're going for a small community uh, to take uh, to try to take um, um, law-abiding gun owners' guns away. Uh, they're talking about house raids, etc. is uh, some of the language that's being used. And they're commencing that. And of course, this is what a socialist and communist government does is that they uh, want to take uh, DR, um, disarm individuals so that they can't defend themselves from the government. But you have a right to defend your home and your property and your family. And I, I don't want this turning into the wild, wild west, but this is what the government is uh, deciding to do. This is the government's decision to give you no option but uh, to go back to a very good way, an old way of life. Uh, so, so if somebody comes onto your property, my understanding is you have the full right to defend your property. And we need thieves and robbers to understand that. Canadians are waking up. More people in the history of Canada have gone out and gotten their gun license. And uh, this is by no means advocating violence. I want people to understand that. But people do not know what their rights are. And if the government is going to come in and and take away your guns, are you going to permit that? And so they're using the temperature of what's going on in PEI to decide what they're going to do with the rest of the nation. There is almost 0% of murders done by law-abiding gun owners and the guns that they're choosing to take away right now. It has nothing to do with safety of Canadians. It has to do with removing your ability to protect yourself and your family. And so the other thing that he, you know, Terenzio, I'm sorry, um, Diego is talking about is, uh, you know, getting these saves. You have to do this. You have to be wise about how you do that. You may need to find and be, um, 
you know, inventive of how you use your property and how you go about doing that. It is risky, it's scary to even talk about, but this is where we are and this is what the government is doing. We're not going to take responsibility, we're going to be responsible and take care of ourselves and our family. Okay, uh, there's another one, I transfer my investments in my bank to just gold or silver, can I then get that back in cash or will I pay huge fees? When they bring out digital ID, how will we be able to use our silver coins to buy purchase items or pay bills? Yeah, that's a good question. At, at the end of the day, if you have silver and gold, uh, it doesn't matter whether they go to a digital ID system or not, you will be able to convert that to digital currency. Uh, so for example, let's say for example, you had an ounce of gold and it was $2,000 an ounce. Um, and let's say now we, we're in the digital currency system. When you go down to the bullion dealer in your local area, let's say in Surrey, British Columbia, you give them the ounce, they will give you back the digital currency. It will not be cash because they will only be allowed to work in digital currency or else they, the government will not give them a business license. Right. Um, you know, something that I was looking into today as well, I was, I, I don't know who this gentleman was in the United States, but he was very, very well versed on, um, all the digital currency, fiat, et cetera. And, and again, what the globalists were doing. Uh, they were asking a question about Bitcoin because it's considered one of the safest an avenues of cryptocurrency, but, he had asked that question is, do you really think that these globalists are going to allow Bitcoin because they don't want any competition? So that's something to consider moving forward into this as well, like in the interim, as, uh, as we move towards being forced into that system, unless we can turn it around, of course. And I always have hope. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah so do yeah, you have anything to say about Bitcoin? Yeah, I mean, people ask me all the time. I think that's the number one thing I get asked about Bitcoin. Uh, for Bitcoin, um, I think if you're trading Bitcoin on a daily basis, you got to be, you know, pretty experienced, know what you're doing. You got to be a day trader. But if you're buying Bitcoin just to have, uh, just in case, uh, that's also a good idea as well. Right now, my AI program, and we are seeing institutional levels. What that means is where all the banks are ready to buy and institutions are ready to buy at a Bitcoin price is at roughly $9,800 right now. So that's what I'm seeing right now. Um, and I can tell because I got special software that can identify these zones. And so the next mm -hmm. zone, the major zone that we see will be 9,800. I think it's going to definitely come down to 9,800. When it comes to 9,800, I'm going to be making large purchases of Bitcoin. Uh, because Bitcoin in the long term will be going in excess of $100,000. The question is, you know, what is the best time to buy? And all I can tell you guys is uh, there's a lot of institutional uh, investors and banksters at the 9,800 level. And that's, and that's what we're targeting, uh, you know, uh, for myself. Okay. All right. Thank you for, for that tidbit as well. So I'm going to go off a string of uh, questions here. Um, somebody's asking if they, again, we're not we're not offering you financial advice, my friends. We're just trying to have a conversation to help you think about what you're doing and then you make that decision. But somebody says, should I pay off my mortgage? And, you know, what, what do you have to say about that? I think uh, part of the financial collapse was what they did with everybody in terms of the variable rate mortgages. 
the major leader of the upcoming financial crisis will be the commercial real estate market. And that's because of the occupancy rates are only at 30 or 40% North American wide. So if you go to Vancouver and you go to Toronto and you go look at the, all these office buildings, half of them are empty. So what happened there is everybody's working from home. Nobody's, you know, hardly anybody's going to, to an office building anymore. All the surrounding businesses around that office building, the guy who sells hot dogs, the guy who sells the newspapers, those people will all be gone as well because everybody's going to be working from home. So these office buildings are highly leveraged right now with variable rate mortgages. And as you see these interest rates, the central banks cranking up these interest rates, the owners of these office buildings will not be able to pay off the debt. So mm -hmm. the crash that is coming will be led by the commercial real estate market and it will reverberate into all the other markets, including Forex markets and the stock market. I think it's similar to what was it that happened in 2008, where there was an inflation of prices on the housing market, and so many people had bought high. They had, uh, you know, their mortgages and this debt rate that it was cheaper for them just to walk away from their home. And uh, this is what the government is counting on is they've, you know, people are in so much debt trying to get a home and move towards a future. And once this collapses, uh, I think there's there's going to be, you know, uh, a redo of what we saw in 2008. So if you can pay off your mortgage, uh, to me, you know, in, in, in my thinking is would be absolutely 100% do it. The other side that the government is working on, you know, Klaus Schwab, you'll have nothing and be happy. And this is where they're trying to drive us into is so much financial debt and stress on people is that when they release the plug and relieve you, you know, of all the stress over your finances, you're going to be happy, reliant on the government, paying through the nose still, you'll be lucky to be able to rent the home that you are in if they don't kick you out of it. Or what they'll do is maybe say that you need, you know, three more people living with you. So you need to have, I think, control over your land. They're trying to use the Indigenous Act and all of this Indigenous rhetoric about land ownership uh, against you as well. So if you're going to any school board trustee meeting, city council meeting, and you have an opportunity to speak, I would encourage you to open up by saying, first of all, I want to thank God and God alone for the ground that I'm standing on. All right. There is no more of giving credit or credence to all of this indigenous land rights. It's total garbage. It's a fabrication that's coming from the UN so that the government can use the indigenous people to do more land rates. And now you'll be a visitor on your land in um, essence to new treaties that they're signing with indigenous people. It's unlawful. It's unconstitutional, these treaties, and they are using the indigenous people so eventually they can take away uh, the land of those of homeowners like myself. And then do you think the indigenous people are actually going to be land rich? No, because they're under the UN control. They're going to be uh, happy and have nothing as well. When has the government any done, done anything good for the indigenous people? They're being lied to, and I hope they'll join us in this fight rather than working against us. Okay, um, it, it was how can gold and silver be used for the daily purchases and needs? And again, I, I find that one hard to answer. 
How, how do we possibly know? Because we've never been in this situation before, but you can bet that a grocer is going to want to sell you. Uh, I believe they're going to want to sell you groceries and to, to get a few of your silver coins, but you did manage to say about trading with Bitcoin as well, or digital currency. Yeah. Or, you know, if you have, uh, if you have silver or gold, you can always go, like I said, you can go take a little bit of it and go cash it out at the bullion exchange dealer. Um, they can give you money. Then you can go buy your groceries. No problem. Um, you don't have to cash out all your precious metals. And as far as the, uh, I think it was the young lady asking about, should she pay off her mortgage or buy gold and silver? I would be paying off your mortgage because in the future, what they're going to do is for those of you who have your mortgages paid off, you're still, you still got to be careful because they're going to just come up with restrictions, higher property taxes, number one. And then if you got mm-hmm. a, a, a gas stove, they're going to tax you an extra tax on that. If you have a windmill or anything like that, they're going to want uh, permits, more money. So they're going to try to squeeze people in the future who, who outright own their homes. For those of you who have a mortgage, uh, there might be a little bit more problems if the mortgage is a variable rate mortgage. Um, because they're, these interest rates are in the next two to three years, they're going to crank them up. And when you see these interest rates cr- get cranked, that's when the collapse will slowly start to happen. Um, I don't think it'll be a collapse where it's all at once, like it was in 2008 with the derivatives markets that Tanya was speaking about. So in the future, it'll be, I think, more of a controlled collapse, starting with the commercial real estate market. And then slowly mm-hmm. but surely, like boiling the frog, they you will feel it. There will be many, many, many more millions, I think, of deaths financially than more of this COVID vaccine stuff uh, by far. Um, so I think the people that are listening to this, you guys are lucky. You know what to do. You know what to prepare. If you can't touch it, reach out and touch it. It's not yours. It's that simple. Whether it's a credit mm-hmm. union, RSP, or any of that nonsense, you know, try to get as much as – and it's also good as a inflation protector with gold and silver. Um, the oil market that, you know, nobody ever mentions the oil market. We've seen a, a bit of a decline here. Uh, with the oil market, but it's going to ramp up to, you know, I think 150 to $200 a barrel because of the ongoing wars uh, that we keep consistently seeing. Uh, and, you know, more prevalent now with Ukraine and Russia, you're probably going to see Taiwan and China in the short, you know, in the near future. So these are all going to affect the oil prices in a negative way. So if you're filling up your car right now for, I don't know, $70 or whatever, that will very well double, I think, in the next year or two. Um, and it's something right. to look for to look for are the energy prices specifically uh, right. Brent crude. Okay. Yeah. And we got, uh, and I've got to emphasize, you know, we talk about these wars that are started by the central banksters, right? I mean, this is all yeah. a way to move money around and use your cash and your money and buy gold and create chaos. Uh, they're behind this as well. Okay. So I'm not familiar with this myself. Maybe you are. What's your opinion about the Elon Musk's easy money investment that he is advertising? Uh, I don't know anything don't about know that. that. All I know is uh, Elon Musk owns Twitter. The only uh, the issue that I have with Elon Musk is Twitter, Facebook, and all these uh, big social media platforms. They have what's called portals, meaning any government intelligence agency or media agency outlet can uh, tell on you and have your account shut down like they did with Died Suddenly News with our Facebook group. So they, they have these special portals that these uh, intelligence agencies and media outlets can go through. 
my question to Elon Musk is, you bought Twitter for, you know, 40 billion. How come you still have these portals open for Twitter? Mm. Right. If you're, if you're such a free speech guy, um, mm -hmm. why, 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 why does Twitter still have the portals open where, uh, intelligence agencies can go in there and, uh, you know, and, and do basically what they want and collaborate with uh, officials from Twitter. Yeah. How come he doesn't I'm, have I'm yeah, I'm still on the fence about Elon Musk. I, I don't look at, at anything that looks too good to be true. Normally it is. Uh, <laughs> but at least some people are, are still maintaining being able to have a voice on Twitter right now. So we'll run with it until your wonderful social media platform is up. We're looking forward to that. Um, okay, so I'm going to ask this other question too. This is a tough one. But it says, would you personally take a tax hit to remove RRSP in banks, then purchase your silver with what's left? I understand this is not financial advice. <laughs> okay. Me so. personally, I would get the money out of there. It doesn't matter whether they're going to make you pay a, uh, some sort of a fee or a hit, um, you know, uh, you know, an early, uh, or, you know, when you take it out early, they're, they're, they're going to penalize you penalty, uh, you know, monetary penalty on the RSP. I would definitely take it out. That's just their way of saying, Hey, we want to hold your money as long as we can. And, uh, yeah, I would definitely take it out. If it was me, my, that money would be gone, converted into uh, precious metals a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, 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 people just, when I say that we're in World War III here, I mean, this is a massive world war. It, it's just, there's no denying it. And if you look at, um, you know, the possibilities, unless by some miracle, and I'm a person that believes in miracle, I believe God is a gracious God. He wants us coming back to him and bowing a knee and, and becoming moral and ethical again in this country and uh, abiding by his standard of living, which was a good standard. And so throughout history, we've seen that when we turn our back on God, we end up hitting some few, uh, you know, quite a number of bumps. Um, but the thing is, is that if things do go as south as, as what we're seeing, your investments, these RSPs, are, there's going to be nothing left. And so the question is, would you rather have something rather than nothing? And if you take that something out and, you know, even in four months, silver can rise by 25%, then hopefully you've re recovered what you lost. But again, this is not financial advice. This is just having you weigh what your options are and uh, where, your, where your risk benefit is at. Like what are, what is your risk comfort zone? And, uh, you know, I, I know that a lot of investors, if you go to them now, unless they're wide awake, uh, those are the only ones that you should be speaking to. Um, I know there's an organization called Rocklink that Liberty, uh, it has, um, brought awareness to, uh, so maybe people would want to look into them. I'm personally not quite familiar yet what it is that they're due. They do, but I understand that they might be able to give some trusted, uh, financial advice, but look for financial advisors that are awake and aware who can advise you, who can help you to remove your, or transfer your investments in a way that is going to hurt as little as possible. Okay, I'll go to maybe a few more questions. I, I hope people understand, like we're trying to nail these questions. I know I see 99 in the Q&A and it's hard when we bring a guest on. So I'm trying to ask as many broad questions as possible to hopefully hit as many, uh, you know, uh, and to, to uh, 
satisfy as many people as possible. So what about the quantum financial system? I heard it's supposed to go against the digital currency. I always, uh, I'm always suspect of uh, when they use the word quantum in front of every, anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so the, o- the only <laughs> thing I can tell you is, uh, is uh, the best thing to trust is yourself and what you can reach out and touch. I will constantly hammer home that message. Anything electronic, especially in the Canadian banking system, is subject to seizure without you doing anything about it. Okay. All right. Good. Thank you for that answer. Somebody asked an an interesting one here. Is it good to, I guess it would depend on how much you owe on your mortgage. It's an interesting question. Is it a good idea to take out a reverse mortgage and turn the money into silver? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's again, as you were mentioning before, it's up to everybody's uh, risk, uh, risk analysis uh, in their own lives. Um, I wouldn't do that personally, but uh, you can, don't forget, you can always buy silver a little bit at a time because it's so cheap per mm-hmm. ounce, right? So you don't have to go out and go spend, you know, a quarter million dollars on, uh, you know, a truckload of silver, but, uh, you know, a little bit at a time. Just make sure that you have some in case anything happens and it's a good way to protect your right. money. So in terms of in, in, uh, the inflation that's go- currently going on, I mean, Bank of Canada is saying that uh, inflation is, uh, you know, five or 6%. And then you go look at shadow stats and it's over 15%. They, it's a criminal organization. The faster that the viewers watching this understand that, that you're dealing with a criminal organization that can steal your money at any time, the better Mm -hmm. off you guys will be. It's that simple. Okay. Um, I'm going to thank Linda. She had just put some information about Rocklink. Rocklink investments are in Burlington, Ontario. Uh, the, these are Christian investors and will invest your money in ethical solid companies. They do not sell gold and silver, but any investments with them will crash when the banking system crashes and can be seized by the government. And again, that goes, if they are investing in international investments for you, you have to take into consideration what Terenzia, I'm sorry, I want to, your guys' names are so close. What Tiago said at the beginning about being under uh, certain uh, acts from the Canadian government and under the European Central Banks, other than Belize and, and the other one that he named. Okay, uh, so yeah, I'm trying to hit as many. We'll maybe do just a couple of more questions and then we will uh, bring this to a close. I thought I had seen one here that somebody had asked. I don't see it again. Okay, my apologies. Um, you know, one question I wanted to ask about, I, oh, I know somebody had asked if TFSAs were the same, oh, TFSAs and RRSPs. And I would just imagine anything that your investor is taking your funds and investing into, the same thing would apply, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. I wouldn't have anything in the, in the you know, monetarily in the, in the Canadian banking system, so. Okay, what if you were invested in, again, I think I know your answer to this, but in a gold mine, gold and silver mines? Yeah. Again, you can't touch term, it. <laughs> yeah. Long, long term, that's, you know, it's a good idea. That's not a bad idea. Long term, you know, when you buy gold, when you buy silver or when you have uh, stocks and gold or, or silver mines, I don't look at this, you know, on a week to week basis. I look at this in the next five to 10 years. So basically mm-hmm. it's a protection for your money. 
Um, and, uh, you know, if you ever need to liquidate it, uh, to buy groceries, then you can obviously with the physical silver and gold. But, uh, I try to keep all my stuff out of the financial system, unless I'm actually trading my Forex accounts. And even then I don't, I, any excess that I have, I immediately take out of the banking system as quick as I can. Um, because my trading accounts are in the United Kingdom in London. So I don't like leaving my stuff that far away from me. So, right. Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah, because I wondered about that, right? Like if you have stocks or shares in a gold mine, you still have stocks or shares. It's not something you can touch, but it's still a gold mine and they're still digging and mining for gold. And, uh, you know, so putting two and two together, I was just wondering if it actually equaled four. <laughs> yeah, in I mean, it's, it's a great idea unless you're a person like Tanya, um, and what I mean by that is she's a very outspoken woman, um, very uh, headstrong in terms of dealing with the government. So at any point, the government can come to her and say, you know what, you're, you've been a bad girl. We don't agree with what you're saying. We're going to temporarily freeze your assets. That includes all your stocks, RSPs and everything. And there's nothing you can do about it. Um, is it a great investment? Yes, it is long term. Absolutely. But you are always at the risk in the future if they don't like what you say or what you represent of them freezing your accounts, just look, look at the people in the Ottawa convoy and what they did to them. Right. Okay. And, and another thing that I might suggest as well, we were talking about mortgages. We know that our young people are having a very difficult time, especially if, if they live near major cities like Vancouver, uh, in southern BC here in uh, Toronto, major cities there. I mean, they're just pushing young people out of the market. Uh, they want them to have a 10 by 10 unit in a downtown situation, maybe those high rises, <laughs> right, that don't have any businesses and they'll convert into homes. And um, so, you know what, start considering having conversations with uh, family and start buying homes together and uh, pay off the mortgage together with your kids. Uh, you know what, I think traditionally, that's what we did. We took care of our elderly people and we lived in family units and we helped to take care of one another. And I think that's a great way to become secure as well in order to stand up against the government tyranny. Um, and plus it's important we take care of one another. All right, uh, Terenzio, if we can get through a couple of hands, and sure. then I think we'll bring this show to a close. Sure. Next one we have is Robert, and I will just mention the next name is uh, Yvonne. So, Yvonne, if you can please be ready to put your hand up. And uh, it, Yeah. Thank you, Terenzio. I, no I just want to ask everybody that if you're in the line with your hands up, please be ready as quick as possible to ask your question and be on point. Thank you. Yvonne? Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello, this is Yvonne Pierre. I was wondering here uh, what you think of, of, of the following. I've got an investment in a, in a nice building lot on a nice location. I can put my hand on it, but I cannot sell it easily. So should I sell this lot um, and purchase gold or uh, silver instead? My advice, uh, what I would do in your situation is I've had a person here in Cape Breton uh, where I live. He owned $5 million worth of apartments. I, he asked me what he should do because he was heavily mortgaged and the energy prices were starting to go uh, creep up on him and he wasn't really making that much money. So my advice to him was sell it. He did sell all the units, $5 million worth of units. You can purchase the silver 
or gold. In your case, you know, if it's an apartment building, you know, in excess of a hundred grand, I'm, I'm a, I would assume, you know, you probably purchase some gold, some silver. Um, or what I advise the other gentleman to do was the market is going to come to a crash and it's, you know, the grand finale, if you will, is going to be here soon. When that happens, um, the smart thing to do was take the money from the sale while you can, because they're going to, you know, we're going to be entering, uh, you know, a, a depression here very soon and you will not be able to sell that property because the interest rates are going to be too high. Nobody's going to want to get a mortgage. So if you do end up selling it, you can always wait till the actual crash happens and then go in again in a cash position and purchase properties or similar property or better property for pennies on the dollar. That's what I would do. I wouldn't keep, you know, unless it's like paid, paid off and you're doing well in terms of the monthly income and it's not an issue to you. But if it's costing you money every single month in terms of property taxes and, and energy prices, uh, me personally, I would get rid of it when the market crashes. Then I would definitely go in and, and purchase that pennies on the dollar. So, sorry, maybe I was not clear. It's a, it's a building lot. Oh, there's, an, oh, there's nothing on it. There's nothing okay, on it so it's paid for. And I, was I think the same applies. To, uh, yeah. yeah, same applies. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. If, you're, if, it, if it's costing you money and it's just sitting there, I mean, I, mean, I, would, I would sell it and I'd purchase silver, me personally. And then uh, any profits that you make you know, long term in the next two, three years from the silver, you can go back and purchase some more property if you wanted to at a much cheaper price. But uh, that's what I would do. And I would also... I haven't, nobody's mentioned it here today, but I, I think a, a, a back end to all this is if you're at home, um, you know, and, you know, purchasing gold, silver and all that kind of stuff is really good. But try to uh, try to make yourselves better in terms of making money online. Learn to do something online. I always tell like even my family, my brothers uh, to become like, you know, you can become a junior programmer. You can uh, do things online. Um like a Shopify programmer, uh, marketing, SEO, do try to do something online. You can become an Excel expert. There's a lot of great courses you can take and then you can market yourself online for an extra side income that you can have. Okay, yeah, thank you for that advice as well, Diego. I know that somebody else was saying as well, because they've been really supporting tech kinds of careers in the education system, what they're finding as well as a lot of people don't know trades anymore. And of course, one of the reasons they did that is because they wanted to push people out of the trades so that the corporations would be able to take charge and the government would also be able to dictate who could build your home, who could buy lumber, etc. And and so on the side of that, um, I would also be recommending that you learn uh, a few of the trades as well. You should know that anyways. I know how to do that. I was put in a position where I know plumbing and roofing and flooring and all kinds of good things. I can put up my own crown molding, replace toilets. Uh, I mean, these are things that we need to know. But moving forward as well, uh, there may be a need for it because of the government threatening to have large corporations uh, being the only ones that you can access to do any kind of building or repairs. So that and may come in handy for a few shekels of silver as well <laughs> in trade. Yeah, ab right. absolutely. Try Just try to make yourself better and try to make yourself more valuable where you can earn an extra income. As far as the building construction, there's AI programs and AI machinery. You can go right on YouTube and see them. 
they are actually building the buildings and the homes right from scratch themselves. They don't need builders anymore. They don't need construction workers anymore. Wow. Everything, they're automating everything right down to laying brick. They have a machine, an AI machine that can lay, uh, lay brick. It breaks my heart, you know, I just, all I can see is people just say no, <laughs> just say no, let's not go along with this. Uh, business owners, just say no, don't allow all of this AI and artificial intelligence to come in and take over human bodies. And when you go through the checkout line, don't go to, to the line where you can do it speedy on yourself. Make sure you go to a checkout server. Let's continue to keep them employed. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. I do want to ask this one that I saw in Trenzio, if you can line up the next person but they said um oh it was about person okay what strategy strategies do you suggest for people who are retired on a fixed income and your bank investment pays you monthly yeah that is where you have to be better that's where you have to learn a new skill at home and if you're already retired i get it you know you're not going to go out and work you know a, a, you know a, a physical labor job or anything like that but that's okay. You can be better. You can, you can learn how to do Excel. You can learn how to do maybe a little bit of JavaScript programming, uh, HTML, CSS, something very simple anybody can do. You can market those services on, uh, online and you can earn yourself a little side income in case uh, the government ever stops that. Um, so yeah, you just got to be creative and you got to have the will to make yourself better and and make yourself more valuable in terms of, you know, getting more money. That's what I exactly what I would do. If I was a retired guy and I was sitting at home and I was receiving uh, money from the government as a pension, let's say, for example, I would, I would do everything in my power to be better. I would say, okay, what can I learn that I'm interested in? And then market those, uh, you know, those skills, uh, you know, to the market and make money. Right. It's very concerning for the elderly who are receiving their um, retirement incomes and, you know, so many threats of that dwindling. I know my uncles, he worked for Safeway. Uh, you absolutely, and the unions took over the 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 management of the funds and these corrupt government run unions, right. Are, are really causing a lot of travesty. And I don't think the funds were mismanaged in my uncle's situation. I think they fraudulently transferred funds, but my uncle lost 50% of his um, income of his retirement income. And so there again, uh, some people, I don't know if you can get a retirement payout and then start managing your own funding, uh, but you got to be wise and consider all things. Somebody had asked what Forex accounts, I don't know if that's something you're willing to let people know what Forex accounts that you deal with. I deal, I trade 20 currency pairs and the uh, broker that I use is called Darwin X out of London, England. Um, so they're, I think, a second tier broker. Um, so there's uh, minimums uh, that you have to have to maintain those accounts, uh, depending on, you know, whether you're professional level, uh, institutional level, or just regular. I think just regular is like $500 to trade, and then anything above and beyond that's over 50,000 US. Um, so yeah, I trade with DarwinX, uh, but yeah, it's uh, trading is not easy. <laughs> okay, I know uh, Nicole. Nicole is the one that asked that question, but she added, and I, I'm wondering if you're aware of this. I'm invested in one, but now Canadian government is apparently saying it's illegal to trade with companies with address outside Canada. I think it's already happened in Saskatchewan and BC. No, yeah, okay. they tried. To, they, they tried. They tried to do that years ago. 
uh, us Forex guys, we just continue going on. We can trade through uh, third-party corporations anyway, so it doesn't even matter. Even if, even if the Canadian government said in British Columbia, let's say, said, oh, you're not allowed to trade Forex anyways, uh, we can do – there's ways – around that anyway that's no no big deal and who and who the hell is the government to tell me who i can trade that i can't trade and uh, yeah. who are these people to tell me this uh you know i'm not really the type of guy to follow instructions from the government so i kind of i'm kind of always been the guy that i do my own thing so who the hell yeah. are these people to tell me they want to keep me safe um i don't need anybody i'm a grown adult i don't need anybody trying to keep me safe uh you know what i mean so and the parents should be yeah, keeping their children safe so uh, that's, you know, that's my uh, thought on that. Uh, they're, they're nobody to me. They're, they don't tell me what to do. I'm a grown man. And this is the kind, you're my kind of guy. I mean, this is the kind of attitude that we need in Canada right now, right? The government has limited authority, believe it or not, my friends in Canada. They have limited authority in the legislature. They work for us. And we need to start asserting our authority over them. And, uh, okay, so we're going to ask two more questions, Terenzio, uh, from people personally. Right. And uh, then then that will be it. We're at 630 right. here. First okay. person is... Uh, Michael. Michael, you should see a message pop up on your screen. Next person will be Robert. Okay. So please be ready. All right, Michael. Okay. I can't hear Michael. Michael, can you unmute? Okay. I'm sorry, Michael. We're going to go to Robert next. Robert, you look like you're unmuted. Can you speak? Yes, I can, and I'm so glad I got a chance to um, to jump in. Um, Tanya, for you, um, a new liability paper for 5G towers for um, oh. for communities. But what I want to ask Tiago before not to take up um, trust accounts. So this has just been proposed, and there's a group of people, and a guy started one say 15 years ago. So the idea, rough. This I know not know what I'm only regurgitating here, but um, you have a trust account which the government can't identify. It's it's numbered or it's whatever or one person is that. So you might have a store, you might have some land, and you might have a big boat. That's all in the trust account. People can do transactions. So once it's digitalized, all the people you can transact through the company. So now I can buy my groceries. I can buy a new whatever, whatever. It becomes part of the trust account, and all people can transact through that. Um, that's rough draft. Yeah, is that uh, is that uh, here in Canada? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Anything. If anybody wants yeah. to talk to me and study it, uh, I'll put my name in Q and A, and Tiago or Tanya, I'd love to brainstorm. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've never heard it here in Canada. The similar situation is in, uh, like I mentioned before, in Belize uh, with uh, IBC's International Business Corporation accounts. Uh, so, yeah. But, uh, um, yeah. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, Robert, thank you for that. Let's get you aligned with Tiago and you guys talk your lingo, your financial lingo. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, you know, I've been immersing myself doing my best, uh, to go into, you know, an area that I'm not an exp expert in and, um, hoping, you know, I'm, I believe that this evening has been very, very helpful to so many people. All right. Uh, Terenzio, I was, pr I promised two questions. So if there's one more question in the yeah. queue where somebody can actually sign on, let's do that. 
All right, next person uh, we have up is Dana. Hi, Dana, can you unmute? There you are. Oop, try again. I did see her unmute. Try it again, Dana. Hit the unmute button. There, there we go. you go. Hi. <laughs> there you are. Okay, good. <laughs> this is tricky. Anyway, um, I would like to buy some gold for cash, but I am really worried that I don't know anybody who I can trust to buy the gold. Um, so can you buy it online? How, how do you purchase the gold online? Oh, that's sdbullion.com. Yeah, you can purchase it online. Yeah, you could purchase it online. You can go to SD Bullion. That's where I go. I'm not affiliated yeah. with them. I'm just telling you that's, you know, that I've had great experience uh, dealing with them. Um, and they, they ship it out right away. And it's, you know, very quick. Um, so, yeah, you can buy it online. You can go to even a local bullion dealer in your area if you want to as well. I'm sure, you know, there's somebody, you know, close in your area. Um, and How do not, you recognize them, though? How do you recognize the good guys? Because well, you don't know if the gold is fake or if it's real gold, right? Yeah, usually usually uh, bullion dealers will have uh, certificates of authenticity uh, and, uh, you know, obviously business licenses. And you can also search them up on the Better Business Bureau um, and just to make sure that they're, you know, licensed places. But if you if you still don't trust that, I would I would go with SD Bullion and you won't have any problems with them as well. Okay, super. Thank you, Dana, for that question. Wow, Woof, we're going to have to have you back on again. Um, and um, so, T. Ego, in closing, uh, what would you, what's on your heart, you know, to tell our viewers and uh, the people in the future that are going to be watching this video? I wish um, Canadians were tougher. Don't take any nonsense from these people, from these government officials. They are nobodies. The, and when, when people say, just say no, that's very true. Um, you don't have to abide by it. They're not your dad. They're not, you know, they don't rule over you. They're not there to protect you. They're not there to save you. You know, you're, you're the master and controller of your own destiny um, in terms of what you do on an everyday uh, level here on, on this planet. Um, so just be smart. Use, uh, use your intelligence. Don't think emotionally because that's the wrong thing to do. That's how a lot of people get into a lot of problems. You know, be, be you know, relaxed and do things in a dil diligent way. And remember, if you cannot reach out and touch it, it is not yours. Remember that. Uh, because when mm -hmm. this, when this uh, situation gets a whole lot worse, and it will, um, you're going to be glad that you listen to what I had to say today and what Tanya's had to say today. And you're going to be glad that even only, even if you only have a little bit saved aside, you'll be glad you did that. You made that decision. Right. Okay. Well, Diego, thank you so much. When you are ready to launch your new social media platform, please let us know because I know that Canadians, people around the world are going to be so excited about it. I think that uh, I'm not sure if your system will be, be, be able to keep up with all the people that will be signing on to it, uh, but it is much needed. This is one of those tangible ways that we are just saying no 
and that we are coming up with reasonable ways to fight what the government is doing and their censorship. So, my friend, thank you so much for uh, joining us tonight and for taking the time to work through all of these questions. And we look forward to having you back on the show. So thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Much love to you and your entire staff. Thank you. Wow. All right. Well, everybody, hold on for just a few more things uh, we want to talk about next week, just briefly. And I still have, I always close with a Bible verse now to give you some encouragement. So next week, I'm going to be special guest on the Empower Hour, and it's going to, we're going to talk about winning the spiritual battle. Uh, winning the battle, winning the spiritual battle. We are taken back ground. God is on our side. He has not left the throne. Um, you know, the government seems very scary at this time with the authority. Uh, you know, I, I, I've often given that um, uh, that picture before. You know, if you've ever seen a puffer fish, if you haven't, go Google it and look it up. Right, it's a little fish, you know, swimming along, and then all of a sudden it goes poof, <laughs> and it makes itself really big, and it makes itself intimidating, and that's a way to protect itself. And so, the government and uh, using the UN and the World Economic Forum are being puffer fishes, and they're inflating themselves um, and trying to assume authority that they really don't have. And it's up, us, up to us to be responsible. And as, as, as soldiers, you are soldier, soldiers in this army. And we are in the fight for, you know, our country and for our lives and for the livelihood of our children and our future. And you need to wrap your head around that. And you need to get in, in, the, go- in the game with us and in the war. And then you have a duty to start talking to your neighbors and your friends and your coworkers, and in the best way with the greatest amount of wisdom, uh, start providing them information. All right. You could help save lives. You could help save jobs. You could help our children from the assault that they are under right now from the federal government and these world global oligarchs. Our kids are in distress, SOS, major distress. And we have to really step up and we have to put on the armor and we have to be equipped to fight this. Again, there is power in numbers. And when I look at what a minority of Canadians in a tangible, well-organized way are able to accomplish, I know that if there was many, we could accomplish so much more in a shorter period of time. So this was an incredible Empower Hour we're so grateful to uh, Tiago for coming on, covering uh, the financial system. What we're facing with the world banks, uh, the central banks, our public bank in Canada that is being dictate, dictated to by private banks around the world. What we can do to help ourselves by trading in our cash for silver and gold. That it's important for us that if you have a mortgage and it is possible, get your mortgage paid down. Down. Start inviting uh, your kids into your financial lives as far as your home living is concerned. Help them out. Help them pay your mortgage down and get into a position where you and your family are safe. Purchase um, other things, like I said, tobacco and alcohol, things that you can trade at some point as well. And uh, so you know what, Terenzio, I think this is a good time to bring up the Bible verse 
because our Bible verse says, one, I've always said, do not have a spirit of fear going through this time. Fear is of the devil himself. He's the enemy. And God has not given us a spirit of fear. And Jesus, when he spoke a parable, it says, and Jesus spoke in, I'm sorry, I'll say in Luke 18, 1, it says, and Jesus spoke a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not give up. So that is my encouragement to all of you today, is to pray and to not give up. It says the prayers of the righteous availeth much. God hears our prayers, and he feels your pain. And for those that are in, in, in him, he loves you, and he promises to take care of you. For those of you who are grieving, he holds all of your tears in his hand. He knows you. He loves you. And Action for Canada loves you. We care about you. That's why we're boldly out here speaking the truth, because the Bible also says that the truth shall set us free. So on that note, I look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you, and God bless Canada. Thank you.